people. We the people. We. Congress shall make no law. Second Amendment. No law. Second Amendment. No Second Amendment. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. This is Bullet Points on Vinyl Draft Radio. And now, your host, Tony Ashcraft. Hey, welcome to Bullet Points on Vinyl Draft Radio. I am your host, Tony Ashcraft. Happy Second Amendment Tuesday to you. We're coming to you uh, live from the Associated Credit Union of Texas Studios here at Vinyl Draft Radio. we got a lot to cover today. Appreciate you joining us. Um, if you're watching us on uh, YouTube Live, we appreciate that. And I want to remind you that Vinyl Draft Radio has its own app. So uh, you can you can uh, download that for, not yet for, for Apple, because we're still waiting on Apple for some reason. They're moving a little bit slow. But uh, for you Android users, it is available uh, on the... Uh, on the Google Play Store right now as we speak, so you can download it. And, uh, you know, Vinyl Draft Radio is uh, is growing, and we have not only Vinyl Draft Radio here that you're listening to now, but we also have Vinyl Draft Country that launched recently. And uh, the soft launch of Vinyl Draft Texas, which is really a uh, – uh, a unique offering, so it's all Texas artists, but uh, it is a it is a fantastic station. You can get a taste of that um, through the Vinyl Draft Radio app, and soon another one that we're excited about is Vinyl Draft Classic. Uh, that's coming up in the not too distant future, so stay tuned for that. Um, you know, the other thing about the Vinyl Draft Radio app is um, if you download it and you miss an episode of Bullet Points or any of our other original programming here at Vinyl Draft, uh, you can go back in through the Vinyl Draft Radio app and uh, and catch up with this um you know we uh, we archive the shows there so anytime you're out if you're in the car you're at work you're working out you're doing whatever and uh if you just don't have time to to catch us live you can always uh catch up and keep up on the app so download the vinyl draft radio app and tap that app uh catch up and keep up so we got a lot to cover today i'm going to talk a, a little bit about the uh the canic versus glock thing uh, i'm going to give you a little bit of an update i'm gonna spend too much time on that i'm also going to talk about the um the a new offering from Sig, the Sig uh, M400 Tread, which is uh, interesting. Um, well, I'll leave it at that, but I'll, I'll get to that in just a little bit. I'm also gonna gonna talk a little bit about um, uh, about pricing and, and purchasing again, and, and what you do. You know, how do you look for that? How do you go about that? What are what are some of the steps that you take? And uh, and you know, I want you guys to to share your experiences uh, with us. You know, again, if you're watching on YouTube, you're welcome to comment. Um, in the uh, uh, in the comment section below, and of course, like and subscribe so you can uh, keep up with uh, with everything here at Bullet Point. So, so let's get to the firing line. I'm going to start out with um, just an update on the on the Canik and Glock thing. You know, I touch on this uh, one or two times a month. So, to take you sort of back to our um, our last uh, last update with the Canik versus Glock. This is a long term test. This is a uh, a, uh, my goal is 6,000 rounds, and I'm running the Canik and the Glock um, uh, side-by-side. Uh, it's a Canik uh, TP9SFX, and um, I'm using different types of ammo, um, You know, sometimes reload, sometimes range ammo, sometimes top-shelf ammo, sometimes bulk ammo online, just you know whatever I can get wherever I can get it. And the reason that I'm doing that is because I want to see how each of these guns perform with different ammo because you know one would expect that if you put really expensive ammo in a gun no matter what gun it is it's probably going to perform 
pretty well. And that would be, you know, that'd be no surprise to, to anyone. But really, when we look at the, um, you know, the canic and, and the reason that I'm doing this um, and I want to I'm sorry for jumping around. But, I, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine and he asked me, what are you, you going to talk about this Tuesday? And I said, well, the canic versus Glock thing. And he said, why are you doing that? You know, that's kind of dumb. Everybody knows that that Glock is 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 the standard is the you know, they, they set the bar and uh, that standard for reliability is uh, is what everybody's chasing. And, and let's be honest. I mean, who doesn't want reliability associated with their name, their brand, their you know, their product? Uh, electronics manufacturers are, are chasing reliability. Um, autom- automobile manufacturers are, are certainly chasing it. I mean, you see it all the time. Every every truck commercial on TV uh, just about talks about reliability. So reliability is a big deal, um, and especially when it comes to firearms, because if a gun doesn't shoot, well, you know, that's, that's, that's a problem. That's a problem. Um, but I, I think that, you know, it, it for me, it's not so much that, that we're going to see if the Canik is better, but if we're going to say that Glock is the standard kind of that the that the industry holds, and I think that's an accurate statement that um, you know that 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 Glock has it's certainly a a long history, a long history of proven reliability, just over and over and over again. I mean, you, you just about can't tear a Glock up and love them or hate them. You can't take that away from them. I mean, I've said as much here. I own some Glocks. I've I've shot many Glocks. Um, and I have one that I carry on occasion and I don't, I don't love it. Um, but I never worry about picking one up and it not firing. Uh, so I want to, I want to take us back a little bit, um, to my last update. I've put 500 rounds, um, through both of these guns, uh, since our last update, but I'm going to remind you guys, the last update I had, I was at, um, I think 2,400 rounds or, or thereabouts, and I had ordered some bulk ammo from an online distributor that um, I had never bought from before, so they were new, but again, you know, different ammo, different sources, just to see how these guns behave, um, and I had uh, I had cleaned both guns. It was a... Uh, you know, a disassembly cleaning. So they were clean. They were both very, very clean. And I've been cleaning them very sparingly just to kind of add a little bit to the, uh, to the endurance portion of it. Cause, uh, I wanted it to make it like a, you know, like an every, every day, every guy kind of, kind of deal. Some of us clean our guns religiously when we get back from the range. Some of us, uh, myself included, you know, it, it stays in the bag for a few days. Sometimes it gets tossed in the safe and, you know, it, it'll go, you know, many, many rounds and, and, and weeks, if not months in between cleanings. Uh, and it's just sort of, sort of how it happens. But I think that's a, that's kind of a real world, um, scenario for a lot of us. I mean, it's not the way to do it, but it's how it gets done. Uh, so in thinking about that, you know, I took these apart and cleaned them both, you know, checked them for, you know, any kind of, any kind of failure points, any kind of wear points, anything that I could see. And I didn't find anything wrong with either one of them, put it back together, took this new ammo, went down to the range, started shooting. By the time I got to the, about the middle of the fourth magazine on the Canik, uh, the Canik started, um, misfiring. Well, it, would, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't feed. I would get through, you know, four, five, six rounds. It would jam. I'd have to clear it, shoot another five or six rounds through it with jam. I'd have to clear it. Kept doing that over and over again. So I took the same ammunition, ran it through the Glock. I ran a hundred rounds through the Glock and no issues. So when I got these two guns home, I thought, well, something's got to be wrong with the Canik. It's starting to wear, it's starting to break. 
took it apart, looked at it, and it had this disgusting, gummy, nasty varnish. I mean, it was filthy inside. Uh, it, it was just really, really disgusting. And uh, so, I, you know, I cleaned them, and, and, the, and the Glock had it too. The, the odd thing was though that the Glock, although the Glock actually had more rounds through it, not many more, uh, probably 20 rounds more in that session versus the Canik, the Glock had a lot less buildup, and I don't really know what that's from, uh, but I'm reminding you guys of this. I know this is just a, a repeat of the of the last installment of this deal, but, but I want to let you know where we were then to where we are now. Now, since then, uh, I've taken both of those guns back, you know, complete disassembly, cleaned them again. I cleaned them with the uh, on the same bench with the same cleaning stuff, you know, same brushes, same oil, same lube, same everything. Cleaned it all exactly like I did before. Now I have a cross-section of two different ammunitions that I got from two, again, different vendors, not the same vendor that had the, the gummy ammo, and, and 500 rounds through both of them, and neither one of them have had an issue since then. So again, uh, I referenced that previous installment to say that um, I can say at this point now, 500 rounds later, that it is... I, I'm, I'm going to chalk it up to 100% to that ammo. Uh, and the, at the time I did the last update, I had uh, Matt Fleming from Best Shot Range in here. And, and uh, you know, Matt uh, running a uh, an indoor shooting range and being a shooter himself has uh, had a lot of experience when it comes to these types of things. And he noted that, you know, some of these folks that are doing reloads and stuff online, uh, who knows where they get their powder from? Who knows the quality? Who knows where it sat, how old it is, how old it isn't, you know, how it was shipped, how it was stored. There's a lot of factors that go into that. So, um, like I said, I, I can say with 100% certainty that, that I can chalk this up um, to the ammo. Now, uh, I would like to tell you at this point where the, who I bought that from, because I know you guys are probably thinking, God, you know, tell me, because I don't want to get ammo from there accidentally. And uh, I've sent these folks a couple of emails, and I have not have not heard back from them yet. I want to give them an opportunity to respond um, to the problem that I had before, you know, before I start ripping on them too bad, because, you know, it's not a perfect world. Things happen um, if, you know, they got their powder from another supplier and it happened to be bad, then, you know, you can't really, you can't really fault the product for, you know, it's not their fault that a supplier, you know, may or may not have, have screwed them over. But we don't know, again, because, you know, they haven't responded to me as of yet. But I want to give them, uh, you know, I want to give them a fair shake um, before I start before I start beating them up uh, too much. So when I get that back, I will let you guys know. But again, since that point, 500 rounds through both guns. We're at 2,900 and some change right now. Uh, in the last 500 rounds since the gummy, since the recleaning, um, no issues at all. They're, they're both humming along. So we're almost at the halfway point now. And again, I'm making notes, taking notes, and it's not a very scientific test. Um, but you know, I will say that, um, you know, as it goes close to 3000 rounds now, uh, you know, I know how the Glock shoot again. I've, I've, you know, been behind plenty of Glocks, uh, but the Canik is, is still sort of new to me in the grand scheme of things. And, uh, it's really, um, it's really become a nice gun to shoot. I'm starting to, starting to really like it uh, a little bit more and a little bit more ergonomics are fantastic. Trigger's great. Um, you know, but again, we're looking at long-term, long-term reliability, um, failures. Who knows? I mean, you know, something could break my next 
session out. You never know how it's going to go. But, um, you know, again, I think that uh, uh, the Glock thing, that is really that is really the standard of reliability. Um, but it, it is interesting, though, that 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 sort of comes to bear sometimes and then sometimes it doesn't. Let's take the let's take the handgun market just for instance, just as a just as an exercise in thought. Um, if we take all of the guns out there that are less than say six hundred dollars ish retail, so an MSRP of, of six hundred bucks, uh, and let's take out all the Glocks, let's filter out all the Glocks, let's filter out the Springfield XD, you know XDM, whatever, and let's take out the uh, Smith and Wesson M and P, you know the Shield, whatever, whatever versions, whatever caliber. So so all Glock handguns all Smith & Wesson and all the Springfields out. What's left out there? You know, there's a ton of stuff left out there. There's Ruger LCP9s. There's, I mean, there's just a, a ton of different guns at different price ranges, you know, starting at about a retail of, you know, $200 and, and going up. But for some reason, you know, those guns don't seem to get compared directly to the Glock as often. You know, people buy small, cheaper carry guns, and and then that's just it. And, that's kind of the end of it, but there's not really a comparison. So um, it, it is almost in in some cases, I think, um, I don't want to say unfair because, I mean, you know, how can you how can you put a, a you know, a fairness qualifier on on uh, on reliability? You really can't. I mean, it either is or it isn't. Um, but, uh, you know, I say all that to say this, that that beyond those kind of mainstay three guns that we see, there's a ton of other offerings out there um, that I think for many people uh, work for their day-to-day carry. So those all should be included uh, when considering reliability and the purchase of a firearm for carry. All right, so we're going to take a break here, but on the other side of the break, as promised, Six Hour has the M400 Tread Uh, And what the hell is it? I'm going to let you know about it, tell you what I think about it. And that's going to be on this side of the break. Stay with us. Bullet points on Vinyl Draft Radio. This is Bullet Points on Vinyl Draft Radio. What would you like from your bank or credit union? How about a mobile app that makes banking simple? How about free online banking and mobile bill pay? How about loan decisions made locally? How about 15 convenient locations? Associated Credit Union of Texas has all of these and more. Sounds like you should get associated. ACU of Texas, federally insured by the NCUA. For more info, visit acutx.org. Good people of Texas, cast aside the everyday and come as thou art not to the Texas Renaissance Festival. Feast and frolic amongst nobility, barbarians, and magical creatures. Create your own fantasy with clothing, jewelry, and more from hundreds of -of one-of-a-kind shops. The Texas Renaissance Festival. Nine weekends of feasting and merriment starting September 29th. Get your tickets now at texrenfest.com. Huzzah! Chuck Sports Bar and Memorabilia in Leak City is exactly what you picture a hometown bar to be. Watch the game with friends, great food, great drinks, and a friendly staff. Chuck's is also the home of celebrity bartender nights, open mic nights with Robert Del Toro, karaoke nights, and more. Chuck's is located at 601 East Main in Old League City, Tuesday through Thursday from 4 to 11 p.m. and Friday and Saturday from 4 to 1 a.m. Call 832-632-1325 or find them on Facebook, Chuck's Sports Bar, League City. Bold, informative, and thankful for the Second Amendment. 
This is Bullet Points on Vinyl Draft Radio. Hey, welcome back to Bullet Points on Vinyl Draft Radio. I'm Tony Ashcraft. Um, hey, before the break, you know, running down the, the Glock Canic thing, and uh, and uh, we're gonna touch on the, we're gonna shift gears a little bit. We're gonna move to the um, the six hour six hour M400. The M4 specifically, um, the M400 tread. Now, you know the for those of you that don't know, the six hour M400 is kind of their their standard issue AR15, um, and it's it's a good gun. It's not a bad gun. It's not you know not particularly inspiring, but it's certainly not a a, a terrible weapon. But you know this this M four hundred tread really caught my attention, and um, uh, I will say for the wrong reason. Uh, what they've done is they've taken the M four hundred, which again, you know, decent gun, nothing wrong with it, uh, <laughs> and this is what they did to it. They took the a big coiled up yellow snake and stuck it on the side, uh, hence the name Tread, the M four hundred Tread. So the uh, the snake is from the Gadsden flag, the Don't Tread on Me flag, uh, which we're all familiar with. But um, I, it, it, the reason that it, it struck me as as kind of odd and sort of in the wrong way is is I don't I don't really get it. Um, I'm not a fan, and, and I don't know you guys might feel differently, but I'm not a fan of of these types of things. Um, you know, um, I'm when it comes to when it comes to the gun market. These are the things I want to see. I want to see innovation. I want to see value. I want to see practicality. I want to see reliability. I want to see these things. I don't want to see a big yellow snake on the side of a gun that's the same gun that you had six months ago. It's it's just silly to me, and I think it's um, you know I think it's kind of pandering. So I, I thought to myself, man, Sig, what the hell? What are you doing? You know, what are you guys doing? Who who are you trying to sell this to? Um, and, uh, you know, I've been around guns for a long time, but I do have a, a background in marketing. And, and to that, I will say that, um, you know, if we take, if we take clothing, um, I guess I don't want to say second amendment clothing, but, but clothing that are, that's gun themed, you know, we have these typical, you know, recurring themes. We have the 3% thing. We have the Mullen Labe thing. We have the come and take it thing, which, by the way, is a it's a Texas thing, and the gun industry co-opted. You're welcome. Um, we have the don't tread on me thing. You know, we have the freedom. We have the America thing. I mean, it's a it's a common sort of thing, but I mean, the reality is, um, you know, it, it's one thing in in apparel, I guess, because you sort of run out of things to put on a shirt, and 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 I'm not making fun of this necessarily because I have shirts that different vendors and, and different guests on the show have given me, and and I think every one of these things that I just named, I've got a piece of clothing, I've got an article of clothing hanging in my closet right now with one or both of those things on there, so that stuff is just everywhere, and you know in a you know in a shirt or a hat or a sticker whatever you know I can kind of see that. Um, I mean, it is a little bit cheesy. It's a little bit tired, uh, but I don't understand, um, you know, putting it on a gun and then building a big marketing campaign. And here's where I kind of here's where I kind of get off on it. Uh, you know, uh, it is one thing to to sort of 
to sort of offer it up and say, okay, well, you know, here's a little bit, it looks a little bit different. You know, there, there are companies that offer, you know, guns that are Cerakoted that are different colors or have different inscriptions and stuff like that on there. And that's, this is not the type of stuff I'm talking about. I mean, they literally took a gun, stuck a yellow snake on it. And, you know, it's, it's all the features and more freedom. I think it's something, it's some cheesy line like that, but they didn't take a gun and add value to it for you, the consumer, what they did was they took a marketing campaign and stuck a gun in the middle of it. So they already had the gun. They just came up with this, you know, freedom, don't trade on me, 3%, you ain't taking my guns, come get it, you know, that kind of thing. And I mean, who the hell's going to buy this thing? It's 950 bucks, $950. Actually, it's $951, but so which is another head scratcher. But hey, whatever, Sid, good job. Um, but stuff like this is, is just, uh, I don't know. It's it, it just strikes me as dumb. M400 Tread. Tread is a dumb name. I guess they're competing with the uh, the Glock G45 for the dumbest gun name of 2018. Hey, that's, that's getting right up there. And oh, yeah, check this out. Um, th- to reinforce the whole, this is a marketing thing and not really a, a value thing in a weapon, is they have tread gear to go along with it. Uh, so you can get tread themed stuff to go with your tread themed gun. Uh, I just, I don't know, man. I just get disappointed, as you can tell, uh, with companies that 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 waste their time and hours on just a little little fluff like that. I mean, if they wanted to have a you know M four hundred tread edition, if that's what you want to call it, if you think that's a cool name, then say go ahead, man. You know, I mean, build the crap out of it. But but come on, put do something, put something else better on it, you know, make it innovative, make it better, make it desirable, put some value in it and putting a yellow snake on the side of a gun and calling it a tread and putting a other, a bunch of other tread crap around it doesn't add any value to the gun for anybody. Uh, and at 950 bucks, it's not exactly a, yeah, not exactly a bargain. So there we go. M400 tread from SIG. You can, you can check it out. It's on their website. Um, yeah, my recommendation is no, uh, just because, I mean, unless you just are into big yellow snakes, um, which let me be clear, I'm not. So, you know, speaking of, of, uh, of gun reviews, I want to, I want to talk to you guys about gun reviews. I just did one. Um, and I, you know, and I'm, and I'm doing one on the Glock and on the Canik. Uh, so I'm curious how many of you look online or look to somebody, you know, there's, there's a ton of YouTube channels out there. Um, you know, gun tubers as they are commonly referred to, uh, there's a bunch of good, bunch of guys out there. They have great channels, big followings. Um, but how much, you know, how much credence do you lend to these online reviews? And there's a bunch of them out there. Um, but you know, when you, when you start looking for a gun, if you're, you know, not familiar, or maybe you, you know, you see a video on Facebook or you see it on Instagram or, you know, something like that. It just catches your attention and you got a couple extra bucks in your pocket <clears throat> and you're going to you're gonna go out and, and, and drop it on a, a new gun. Uh, you know, if it's a gun that you're unfamiliar with, how much, you know, how much faith do you put in these people that, uh, that review some of these guns? And let me just remind you that, that you know, not everybody out there, but there are some there are some arbitrarians out there, but but not everyone out there uh, reviewing guns are are really doing it in a um, you know an unbiased manner. There are many of these guys that um, they don't pay for the gun and they get paid for the review. So 
you know, if if I'm reviewing an FM 509 and FN sends me a free FN 509 and then pays me to do the review, uh, the chances of me saying anything bad about the gun are, are pretty slim. Um, I just, you know, it's it's probably not going to happen. Now, again, that's not true with everybody. And, and these guys are making money doing that. And listen, I'm not begrudging anyone um, for for making money. Because it is, uh, it's still amazing to me that uh, that you can actually make money um, via via YouTube, via social media. If somebody would have told me twenty years ago that all you need is a YouTube account, a cell phone, and a crazy cat, and you can be a millionaire, <laughs> I would have laughed. You know, I'm still kind of laughing, but it's true. Um, yeah. So these guys get paid, and again, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but. Um, you know, I just I, I'm, I'm curious, you guys, when you when you go to buy something, when you go to look, um, you know, how much research do you do? Uh, is there somebody in particular that you always go to, somebody that you count on um, to, uh, uh, you know, that, that will lend you their expertise, somebody that you trust? Um, because uh, I know and, and to be fair, I, you know, I know some of these guys that that do this. Um, and, and again, they get paid to do it and it doesn't make them bad. Um, but it's just something I think that, uh, that you have to consider as a consumer. You know, if you just go out and watch one or two videos and whatever gun they happen to review is the greatest gun of all time, um, you know, you might want to take that with a grain of salt. I mean, look at some other, look at some other reviews. There are, um, you know, there are some unbiased guys out there that do it just to do it. But but this is where the hard part comes in. You know, if you truly want to be an independent, unbiased gun review kind of guy, uh, you know, unless you have just a ton of money to throw with these guns and go out and beat them up and shoot them up and pay for all the ammo and stuff, that that's difficult to do. You almost, you know, if you're going to be on the scale you know, where you review so many guns that people look at you as a, you know, as a source of information when it comes to, you know, quality and features of guns, then you necessarily have to review a bunch of them. But, you know, if I put myself in that category, uh, unless, you know, somebody's going to give me a gun to review and say, hey, you know, here, check this out and and let us know what you think, uh, you know, and everybody's going to show a little bit of bias and, and <clears throat> or bias. And there are, and there are a lot of um, there's a lot of brand bias out there too. Well, let's be honest. So um, you know when you guys go to to go to shop for a gun, there's a bunch of different resources that uh, that you can use. And again, I'm not taking away anything from uh, from the the gun tubers, the YouTube guys that do these channels because uh, you know there's some there's some good folks out there with some good information. But I would urge you to do um, you know to do a little more than than that if that's all you're doing there's plenty of written reviews um online um you know you can go to uh, uh to gun forums i mean gun forums there's some of these forums that are model specific or brand specific rather um that you can go to and uh and ask questions uh now of course you know i just said brand bias so you got to be careful of that too um but um you know some of these there's a lot of guys out there that are honest and you can get sort of the opinion um, from the crowd versus the individual, uh, you know, uh, one individual reviewing a gun is not necessarily the, uh, um, you know, all there is to tell. And I, I'll put myself in that category too. I mean, yeah, I, I review guns here and I, I talk about features and I talk about things and I talk about my experiences, but, but I'm just one guy. I certainly don't take what I'm saying as the gospel. 
Uh, again, one man, one experience. And I think that when you're out there, you know, shopping for a firearm, it's not like we're picking out furniture. You know, it's a it's a big purchase. It's a serious purchase. It's not it's not cheap. Um, and some of you guys are going to hunt with what you're shopping for. You know, some of it's recreational and, and some of it might be concealed carry, you know, Um who knows what it's going to be for, but you have to take all that into account uh, when you're looking at these things. So I really, um, you know, my advice on this is, is yeah, sure. You know, look at reviews, look at features, um, you know, look at, uh, look at MSRP, look at, uh, you know, what you're getting, where to get it, see if there's been any recalls on it, check the manufacturer's site and uh, get somewhere where you can ask some questions and, and get some feedback. And that should be, uh, you know, kind of the first part um, in your journey. Uh, now, granted, there are there are plenty of guns out there. You know, uh, go back to the Glock thing. You know, Glock sort of already has its its reputation. So, um, you know, in just a, a sheer reliability um, from a sheer reliability standpoint, you know, you don't have to. Uh, you, you're never going to doubt that. But I mean, the Canik is a, is a good example the other way. You know, Canik's Canik's new. Canik is kind of it's kind of hot. It's, um, you know, it's priced right. There's a lot of, it's got a lot of good things going for it on paper, but not, you know, it's, it again, get more popular, more popular, but there's not as nearly as many of them out there as there are Glocks. So, you know, the chances of your buddy having a Canik are probably not as good as the chances of your buddy having a Glock and you can, you know, go to the range and shoot it and ask him about it. And then, uh, you know, it, you kind of go from there. Um, but that is, uh, you know, that that is I think that's that's where you start. Um, we got to take a break here in just a second. But I'm going to I'm going to continue this thought line because I've got um, I've got some other uh, some other tips and advice for you uh, when buying it, when, when shopping for a gun. And uh, and that includes uh, going local small businesses. So I'm going to cover that. We're going to talk about it. We'll take a break here. Stay with us. Bullet points on Vinyl Draft Radio. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. This is Bullet Points on Vinyl Draft Radio. The light beer you've been waiting for has arrived. Corona Premier is a superior light lager brewed to be easy drinking with a taste that's undeniably Corona. Premier is an exceptional light beer, perfect for taking a moment to look around and appreciate all that you've accomplished so far. Lower carbs, lower calories, higher expectations. Corona Premier, enjoy the view. Drink responsibly. Corona Premier, imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. My lady, today I banish boredom. You're king of the Texas Renaissance Festival. Do whatever you like. Then I'd like to decree a different theme every weekend. With characters and costumes? Decreed. And what about frivolity for families during the day? And more frivolity in the campground at night? (laughs) Decreed. Decreed indeed. The Texas Renaissance Festival, nine themed weekends starting September 29th. Tickets at TexRenFest.com. Decreed. Hey, it's Adam Smasher, and ClearLakeToday.com is where I go to find restaurants, events, entertainment services, and more in the Clear Lake and Bay Area. If you're looking to find a certain business in the Clear Lake area, you need to check ClearLakeToday.com. Now, if you are a business in the Clear Lake and Bay Area, make sure your business info is on ClearLakeToday.com. To advertise your business, contact Doug Meisinger by emailing Doug at ClearLakeToday.com. I wasn't about to miss this. We're glad that you stuck around, too. This is Bullet Points on Vinyl Draft Radio. 
And now, your host, Tony Ashcraft. Hey, welcome back to Bullet Points on Vinyl Draft Radio. I'm Tony Ashcraft. Thanks for sticking with us. Hey, uh, we're talking a little bit about, um, you know, about buying a gun and, and doing some research and, and trying to figure out, you know, is it the gun for you? And that's difficult to do online. Um, you know, you go, you see these gun tubers and, and videos and reviews and all that stuff. And I think that's a great place to start. I think that can, that can sort of, um, you know, put you in the ballpark of where you need to be. But I'm going to tell you, there is, there is no substitute for a, a good local gun shop. And, um, uh, there, you know, find one, uh, find two, find a couple. Even if you're not ready to buy, I'll tell you how you can tell a good, good gun shop from a bad gun shop. If you go into a gun shop and just ask a few questions, just get some information, tell them, hey, listen, I'm not sure what I'm going to get. I'm just looking around, just checking some things out, uh, seeing what there is to see, and ask a few questions and see how willing they are um, to answer your questions and uh, see how easy it is to develop a relationship with those gun stores to develop a rapport. Um, I was in, um, uh, I was over at Texas tactical gear over on Dixie farm road. I was talking to, uh, to Jen over there, uh, not too long ago, just visiting with her. And, um, you know, she is a good example of, uh, of what a good gun store ought to be. You know, they're a smaller gun store, but they have a ton to offer. And I watched customers come in there and, um, they, you know, they, they asked her questions about, um, you know, about this. They were talking, some of them were asking about AR-15s. Some of them were asking about optics and getting sights installed. And, you know, not once did she push them in one direction or another. She answered their questions. She offered advice to them, you know, just as an educational tool. And that's what you, that's what you want. That's the kind of rapport. That's what you want to build. You want to build a friendship um, with your local gun store and really support um, those types of businesses. Now, when it comes to this stuff, it's kind of a double-edged sword a little bit because the argument that could be made is, well, you know, local stores or smaller businesses don't have, you know, they don't have the volume. They don't have this huge, gigantic selection. And if they have to order a gun, it might take a couple of days to get there. Um, maybe they don't have it in stock where you can look at it and, and, and you know, go firsthand with it. Uh, and the price may not be as cheap as you can find it uh, online, which is which is true a lot of the times, unfortunately. And I'm going to talk more about that in a second. But um, so I, I guess, you know, as a consumer, that is a little bit of the downside. But I want you to consider this. Um, when you're shopping for a gun, there there are things you have to consider once you've decided uh, sort of what you're going to get, you know, the gun that you want, what, what might be right for you. Um, you know, there's, there's price and there's value, you know, prices as Warren Buffett says, price is what you pay and value is what you get. So it's not about how much money you spend. It's about what you get for the money that you spend. And part of that value I think has to be in the gun store itself has to be, in those people behind the counter, uh, in their willingness to help you out and to educate you, um, if that's the case, you know, some of us that have been gun, around guns a long time, you know, we see a gun, we know what we want, you know, I, I want that, I want the, you know, I want a Glock 43, I'm going to go get it, know what it's all about, whatever, I'm just going to go buy it. 
and that's and that's a different scenario. But but again, we're talking about uh, maybe shopping for a, a you know a rifle that you're not familiar with. Maybe it's your first AR-15. You know, maybe you're getting into concealed carry. Maybe you're looking for you know some concealed carry options um, uh, for the wife, and you're just sort of kind of you know kind of checking stuff out. Um, I mean, go, yeah, go into these shops, man. Go into to more than one shop and. And build a rapport, build a reputation, build a friendship, um, build a relationship with these shops, uh, because that is our, in my opinion, that is our single, that is our single best resource when it comes to uh, to buying guns. You know, well, because a lot of these gun stores, um, you know, the gun business people, you know, oh, it'd be great to own a gun store, You're selling guns, making a lot of money. It's not true. It's a t- it's a it's a tough business. It's a tough business. Um, guns are very expensive. Um, you know, they're, they're, it's expensive to stock a lot of guns and keep them in stock because you never know when, you know, how long a $1,400 or $1,500 AR-15 is going to sit on the on the shelf till somebody buys it or seven or $800 pistol because not every gun is for everybody every time. So as a small business owner, you have to put out an extraordinarily large amount of cash. There's a lot of regulation. There's a lot of security involved. There's a lot of paperwork. It is... It is a colossal pain in the ass. Let me tell you, firsthand experience, it is a colossal pain in the ass to do. And it's very difficult, um, you know, to to make a good living uh, doing that stuff. Now, granted, there's there's a lot of gun stores that are that are very successful. But, you know, if you compare some of the smaller gun stores to some of the bigger box stores, um, you know, there's there's some I mean, we're, we're lucky here uh, in in the southeast area uh, of Houston. We're very fortunate. There's a lot of good stores uh, in and around the, you know, the Clear Lake area, the League City area, um, you know, and not too far uh, up 45 there, uh, getting into Houston. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of good gun shops on this end of town. There's a lot of good people, a lot of people that are willing to help, um, and a lot of folks. Those folks have been on this show, and uh, and they're all they're all good people. Um, you know, when you get into Houston, there's uh, uh, there's a there's a ton of stuff, and we're we're very fortunate to be in here in the. Uh, in uh in the state of Texas where, you know, the gun stores like Starbucks is just damn near one on every corner. But, you know, finding a good one to build that relationship I think is uh is hugely, uh hugely important. So I want you guys to really uh you know really take heed to this. If you you know if there's that gun shop that you always wanted to stop by and you always wanted to see what they have, I mean stop by. Even if they don't have exactly what you're looking for I mean, make make the relationship. Why not? You know, stop in and say hi. Stop in and visit with them. Just just see what they do. Um, you never know uh, who you're going to run into, and it's uh, it's um, it's always a uh, it's always a good idea to have a friend in the business. So um, you know, talking about that, the opposite of this is uh, you know buying online. Uh, for those of you that are price driven, and for some of us that is the case, or there's just not, let's say you want a, a used gun, something that's not, you know, an everyday type thing that's not a Glock or not an FN or not a Smith or, you know, an XD, you know, your typical stuff that you see. Um, if you're looking for something like that, sometimes you almost have to go online. You have to go to a, a Guns America or a Gun Broker, and those are the two biggest sites. Well, there's uh, there's Texas Gun Traders also. Um, they're, they're here. They They cater sort of uh, not locally just to Houston, but, you know, as the name would imply, Texas gun traders, they're sort of like a sort of like a Craigslist of guns, I guess is probably a poor way to describe it. But um, you can go on there. There's there's used guns from individuals and uh, there's new and used guns from uh, 
from dealers in there. So you can see a lot of that stuff. But, you know, um, I guess the pros of, of looking at a, a, a Guns America or Gun Broker, <clears throat> you know, a, a, a dot com site like that is, uh, you know, there's just massive selection. I mean, there's this huge selection and there's no really no, no gun store anywhere that's going to be big enough to to house what the Internet houses. You know, there's just stuff everywhere. Um, and you can instantly see who's got, you know, the best price. Um, the, you know, kind of the, the other side to that or the, you know, one of the cons to that deal is, um, you know, you guys know as you as an individual, if you buy a gun online, it's legal, but you have the burden of then paying for shipping. And if it's shipped from the same state that you're in, uh, you're going to have to pay sales tax on it. So, uh, and a lot of these guys charge a, an upcharge of 3% if you use a credit card. So that's a factor too. Uh, the other part of that is it has to be shipped to a dealer that has to do a transfer for you. Now, transfers, I've seen transfers as low as, you know, typically they're around 30 bucks, $25, $30. Um, there are some gun stores that, that charge upwards of, of 50 bucks for a transfer. So, you know, really, you see this enticing low price on the gun, but you got to wait for it to be shipped. You got to pay for shipping. You may or may not have to pay tax. You probably going to have to pay that 3% unless you feel comfortable paying with a, a money order or a personal check, uh, in which case you're going to have to wait additional time for those to clear typically. Then you've got to wait for, you know, shipping time, transit time, um, back to, to your dealer. Then you have to wait for your dealer to receive it in. Well, some of them are fairly quick about it. I, there's one in particular here in town that I know, um, they, they do a lot of transfers and it takes them literally like five or six days once a, a, a weapon has arrived for them to get ready to, to transfer it to you. Then you've got to go over to where that dealer is. You got to drive over there and, uh, you're going to have to fill out paperwork anyway. Um, you know, 4473, you're going to have to pass the background check or if you have a CHL, you know, a license to carry, you can, you can do it a lot quicker than that. But I mean, the bottom line is it's not, it's not just about price. Um, so we need to look at that. I think when we're, when we're buying stuff and again, certainly there are, there are some exceptions to the, you know, to the pros and cons of, of buying online. Um, and again, un- unparalleled selection and there's no, no doubt about that. But, um, you know, I think given a choice, um, for me personally, if I could buy a, you know, a gun online, even, even if, even if my bottom line price were less than I could get it for locally. You know, if it was a matter of, you know, if I could get it for for five fifty um online or it was six and a quarter or thereabouts in a in a local gun store, um, you know, I would I'd pay the extra money because I think, you know, in the long term you're gonna end up paying it anyway. And uh let's be honest, I mean the, the guys that um the guys that are doing it locally, I mean these are the these are your hardcore Second Amendment supporters, because there's, there's very few of those people out there that are getting just stupid rich off doing this. You know, a lot of them are, are doing it, you know, because they have a passion for it. It's difficult work. It's hard work. And a lot of times it's not very rewarding. It's long hours. So it's tough. And, um, you know, we we want to support those people as much as we can. And we can do that by by spending our dollars in there and referring our friends over there and giving them our uh, our, our hard-earned money, um, you know, whenever we can. And so I encourage all you guys to do that. And, uh, you know, I, again, I want to emphasize, I'm not taking away anything from, from online stuff, but, 
you know, as a gun store owner, I mean, think about this. If you're behind the counter and you've got all this money tied up and you're the one working behind the counter and, you know, you're struggling to pay your employees and, and it's just a, you know, it's just a grind day after day after day. If somebody comes in and says, hey, how much is a gun right there? And you say, ah, it's five ninety nine, And they immediately get out their phone and start flipping around trying to find a better price. I mean, come on. Don't, <laughs> don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Uh, just don't. Um, there's a lot more that you're going to get out of a local gun store than you're ever going to get from a website. There just is. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's that's today's lessons, kid. Uh, lessons, kid. Uh, it, kids is uh, is go uh, go get a relationship. Go build a rapport with a couple of local gun shops and uh, and and patronize them as often as you possibly can. We got one more segment here. I'm going to talk about um, you know our folks up in uh, in Vermont. They recently banned bump stocks, and uh, let me tell you, it worked out great. Stay with us. Bullet points on Vinyl Draft Radio. This is Bullet Point on Vinyl Draft Radio. Keith here from Papa John's. And the king of the Texas Renaissance Festival. And if you want to go to the festival, all you got to do is go buy any Papa John's pizza, buy an adult ticket, and you'll get a kid's ticket for free. You can even get it online. We'll see you at the festival. Papa John's Houston. Huzzah! Coastal Shade Company is the Houston and Gulf Coast leader in outdoor shade coverings. From palapas to pergolas, pavilions, and more. Looking for an outdoor kitchen or fireplace? Contact us today at 832-917-7672 or visit us online at CoastalShadeCo.com. We the people have a right to superior cocktails and Preamble Lounge and Craft House would like to welcome you to a new cocktail revolution. Our Speakeasy-inspired lounge offers signature craft cocktails in an intimate setting. With a wide selection of high-end spirits, infusions, barrel-aged beverages and cocktails, there is something for every budget. Preamble is located at 20801 Gulf Freeway in Webster and open Monday through Saturday from 4 p.m. to 2 a.m. Preamble Lounge and Craft House, a new cocktail revolution. Bold, informative, and thankful for the Second Amendment. This is Bullet Points on Vinyl Draft Radio. Hey, welcome back. It's Bullet Points, Second Amendment talking more on Vinyl Draft Radio. Thanks for sticking with us. Um, uh, you know, just one more reminder, man. Local gun shops, that's that's the way to do it. Uh, do it often because uh, those are the guys that, that keep it going for us. Can't say enough about these folks. So listen, um, you know, in the never-ending never uh, anti-gun folks. Oh, no, wait a minute. Hold on. I said anti-gun, and this is – I'm going to get to the Vermont thing in just a second. But, but as soon as anti-gun came out of my mouth, I got um, – I got into a uh, a drive by argument with somebody on uh, social media, and I, I really got social media and, and arguing about politics or or, or gun stuff or, or immigration or whatever. Oh man, it will make you jump off a building and cut your wrists on the way down. It is it is uh, it's it's maddening. But I said I used the term anti gun. Uh, in a in a statement that I made, not towards anybody, but of course somebody popped up and um, and 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 you know got got uh, got into me a little bit for using the phrase anti-gun. They said it was not politically correct. Um, it was not fair to say anti-gun to people that were against gun ownership. Which I, okay, so if you're not 
anti-gun. You're either for guns or you're against guns. You're not sort of, I mean, it's like kind of being pregnant. You know, you either are or you're not. So I'm not really sure all this, uh, all this labeling. I can't believe that somebody was actually offended because I said that, you know, I, I, I referred to the anti-gun crowd just as in a, in a statement. I think that was the actual phrase I used, anti-gun crowd. And I forget what the, what the term, what label this, this individual was insisting um, that I, uh, I put on uh, him as a anti-gun. I just don't know what else you call. If you don't want guns, if you don't like guns, you're not pro-gun, you're anti-gun. What? Uh, it's just, oh, man, it's, it's freaking, it is absolutely freaking maddening. Absolutely maddening. And speaking of folks on the uh, the left, the anti-gun people, uh, our, our 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 buddies up in Vermont, uh, Vermont, yeah, they. Uh, so remember the whole Las Vegas shooting thing? Remember that it was a while back. It sort of disappeared, um, but th- that that riled up everybody about bump stocks. And the Vegas shooting thing, man, it was it was wall to wall for like <laughs> like three weeks, and then it just it was gone. And then you heard these few blurbs about, well, the MGM, MGM is not releasing this video, and we don't know what time this happened. And then people were, I had one guy, I, I just entertained him for the story value, but he said, yeah, well, you know, it's the CIA that killed that dude. They set that dude up, so they, they had to kill him. Um, okay, all right. Uh, but anyway, so um, so now here we are, you know, good, good, just, uh, you know, a year-ish later, um, and the bump stock thing pops back up again. So, man, you know, before the Las Vegas shooting, let's be honest, bump stocks, nobody gave two craps about a bump stock. I didn't. Hell, I bought I bought two of them when they first came out. It was like, I don't know, three years or so prior to that. I bought two of them. I installed one. I used it. The other one sat in the box. I never took it out of the box. That's how uninspiring it was. Very, you know, very novelty thing. Um, it was a, a cheap, good way for for some companies to make money. And it was, um, you know, it was a little, a little innovative. I mean, out of all the, uh, the, uh, the little tricks to get your gun to, to fire quicker. Um, that was actually kind of one of the better ones that that sort of worked. Um, but the whole bump fire thing, it was just, uh, just dumb. So that, so bump fire became the target. And even, even since then, there's been so much pressure, you know, so much talk, so much, um, you know, this, this perceived legislation, the, you know, the talk of lawsuits, the talk of, you know, all this stuff coming down that, that, you know, these companies have, have actually folded. They've, they've stopped, you know? And, uh, so now the bump stock has kind of gone the way of the, the dinosaur, which again, uh, I mean, nobody gave two craps about it before Las Vegas and after Las Vegas, suddenly the things were made out of gold. But, um, so the folks in Vermont thought it would be a good idea to, uh, to ban bump stocks. And indeed, uh, a bill was signed here recently by the governor, and that legislation was passed because, um, you know, bump stocks uh, in Vermont killed uh, nobody. But let's let's ban them anyway, because that's that's a good idea. So so Vermont, this is this is the this is the you know, the, the news is not really that that Vermont banned bump stocks. I mean, you know, it's uh it's kind of up there in, in, in lefty land. So they, um, you know, it's something you sort of expect them to do. They've been friends with Massachusetts, I guess, for too long. Uh, but, um, you know, they're, that, that is a little bit of an encroachment on um, our Second Amendment rights. And I hate to see things like this happen, especially it, it's, there's, nothing, there's nothing practical about it at all. It's, it's just a, strictly a feel-good thing. There's no practical reason to ban bump stocks at all. But the funny thing about this is 
they banned the bump stocks and they said, okay, so no more bump stocks. So now we're going to, we're going to be nice to you second amendment guys. This is what we're going to do. This is the deal we're going to make. We're banning bump stocks, but, but if you have a bump stock, uh, we're going to offer you an amnesty period. So you can come in and turn in your bump stock and, and be a good guy. And, and let's get the, uh, the devil incarnate of the bump stock out of the hands of, uh, of Vermont residents. So indeed, that is what happened. So the, uh, the amnesty period went on and, uh, and uh, folks lined up to, to turn in their bump stocks. And the number of people that turned in their bump stocks was two. That's right, two, which is actually twice as many as I would have expected. But yeah, two people turned in a bump stock in the whole state of Vermont in the entire amnesty period. Two people, two people. Um, so look, uh, good job, Vermont. That's great. That's great. That worked out really well. That worked out really, really well. I'm going to tell you something, you people, uh, you anti-gun folks, you, you know, you people that, uh, that just, just hate guns and think they ought to go away, that, uh, that's going to end all violence. Um, let me tell you, when you go to make laws, when you go to make legislation, the worst thing that you can do as a lawmaker, I'm going to let you in on a big secret, big secret is if you go out and tell people that like the Second Amendment, that you're going to restrict their access to a gun, restrict their access to any type of firearm, anything, you're going to make it harder for them to get, you're going to ban it, you're going to legislate it out of existence, you're going to make licensing so difficult that they, they'll give up on getting it. If you tell them they can't have it, it is going to have exactly the opposite effect because you're going to sell a, a million more of them. Look at this. I mean, look at it this way. You know, when, when Obama came in office back in 2008, and you couldn't, AR-15s went through the roof. The prices were crazy. Um, they were just, I mean, just flying off shelves everywhere. Manufacturers couldn't keep up with it. I mean, there was, you know, the, the old joke is Obama's picture would be up in every gun store around saying salesperson of the year. Because just the talk, just the threat, just the, the inference of, hey, AR-15s are going to go away Make Second Amendment folks go out and buy them. Same thing happened with bump stocks. Right after the Vegas thing, Nancy Pelosi comes out and says, bump stocks, you know, starts crying about whatever. We're going to get rid of them. So what happened? These $180, $150 bump stocks went up to $450, $500, $600, and people were sucking them up left and right. So everyone that was out there, everyone that had been collecting dust on everybody's shelf for who knows how many months suddenly was worth its weight in gold and gone out the door in a second. So you just took a bunch of bump stocks that were piled up in people's closets and put them out on the market. So good job. Good job. That's the way that works. That's the way that works. Tell Second Amendment folks that they can't have it and they're going to go out and buy 10 of them before you take it away. That's what's going to happen. So keep that up because it's working out really, really well for you. The opposite is true now. We have a, a Republican president a Republican-controlled House uh, and Senate for the time being. Midterms are coming up. Um, but there is no, there is no perception of, of any Second Amendment legislation, although you know, Trump has said that he will, he will federally ban bump stocks, which I think, I think is a mistake. I think he ought not do that. I don't think that uh, you know, somebody like Donald Trump really understands um, you know, firearms. You wouldn't expect him to. He's not... Uh, you know, he doesn't strike me as a as a, a, a second amendment supporter. I guess, yeah, he is in that. You know, he supports the principle of the second amendment, but he's not he's not a gun guy. So I don't think that he 
you know, he's not a firsthand gun folk, you know, gun guy like like we would be. You know, he doesn't doesn't get out and actually, uh, uh, you know, go shooting. So he's probably probably missing out a little bit on the the nuances of that. I, but you know, really, um, I say it's a bad thing for him. I don't think it'll it'll affect him too much because you know the bump stock thing. It's you know it's lost its luster. I guess if there's a sacrificial lamb to be made, it might as well be the bump stock because again, nobody really nobody really cared about him. I mean, it just you know it's a it was a, a sort of a novelty thing, and then somebody in uh, somebody in Las Vegas uh, lost their damn mind and decided to uh, to uh, do some damage and, and take a bunch of uh, innocent folks' lives, and uh, the bump stock became the center of of that carnage versus the actual individual. And again, we always have to look at the individual uh, because the, uh, the utensil, the utility in which evil has carried out, um, you know, bears no burden. It just doesn't. Uh, <clears throat> I could pick up a set of headphones and probably go in there and beat the crap out of Tegan, but that doesn't make the headphones bad. Hey, just kidding, buddy. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, it's, it's true though. That's, that is a, that is a silly analogy but honestly, I mean, anybody could pick up anything at any time and do physical damage to another human being. Uh, that's not the fault of the object in any way. It's always, always the actor. It's always the actor. And that is really where the blame needs to lie. Uh, but for some reason, um, you know, the anti-gun folks think that, uh, think that if you remove the utility away from the equation, that somehow that's going to solve all the problems. And it is, it is simply, it is simply not true. So uh, I thought you guys would get a kick out of that. Yeah, good job, Vermont. So if you got your bump stocks, don't don't go to Vermont. Um, I guess too. I, you know what I would like? I'd like to talk to the two people that actually that actually turned in the bump stocks. The two guys, you know, what the, you go down there expecting there to be a big line, and you're the only person there. And yeah, here's my here's my bump stock. I'm sorry, uh, man. What a I wonder what the wonder what the legislation thought. I mean, I wonder, you know, as a government or the governor is signing this legislation, I wonder if he's thinking, yeah, uh, I got this. And a bunch of people are going to come in here and, and dump all these bump stocks. I'm going to take a big picture of a pile of turned in bump stocks, and this is going to be a great success. But you got two, two. Oh, man, man. I'm going to tell you. Yeah, well, like I said, good job, Vermont. Good job. But that is, uh, uh, you know, that, that's, that's chipping away at us, so we got to watch for these things. And that's why I bring this to you. So don't ever take for granted that um, uh, the fact that we live in Texas, and this is uh, Texas has, uh, has fair gun laws. They're pretty liberal gun laws. Um, and, uh, you know, as a state, uh, I think we all need to be thankful about that because there are, there are certainly worse states in the union to live in as a Second Amendment supporter, as a pro-gun uh, pro-gun person. So listen, hey, that is all the time we have today. Bullet points on Vinyl Draft Radio. Hope you'll join me next Tuesday at 3 p.m. My guest will be Jameson Smith and Rod Gates of The Gun Cleaners. Second Amendment. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Bullet points on Vinyl Draft Radio.